people think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Well, we're back with another week of Kidney Talk, Stephen. Can you believe it? We're back again? We're they gonna, keep letting us do this I thing. I know that. I mean, it's fascinating and to me. I couldn't be happier because I love it. And I love the subject for today, too, because it affects me tremendously. What are we talking about today? I have no idea. <laughs> We're going to be talking about understanding low blood pressure. Right. And I really don't understand it because yes. I've tried everything, Lori, everything. I even tried having a picture of my wife, a videotape, I mean, and I have her nagging me on the videotape and it doesn't work. And your blood I, pressure still goes up. Still, no, still goes, it stays oh, down. Me. How low can you go? I can get really low. My last blood pressure when I was leaving and they wouldn't let me leave because, you know, they won't let me leave unless right. it's a certain... It was like 68. Is that 68. why you were late for kidney talk? I was late, yeah, because... <laughs> no, excuses, no. excuses. I know. I, you know. I'm dying on the side of the road. You're still late, Steve. <laughs> no, it was 68 over 46. And wow, that's pretty That's dangerous. Bad. That's not a good thing. So we, we're, we're going to talk to Sandy Wilson. Yes. Um, Sandy Wilson has been a nurse since 1981 and she's done all forms of dialysis care. I mean, it's she, she's very knowledgeable. So we're going to talk to her and also... Well, I hope she's knowledgeable because, I mean, we wouldn't have her on the air if she was not knowledgeable. <laughs> this is true. She's very active in the community. She's on the Medical Review Board for Network 18, the Southern California Renal Disease Council. Network 18. Yes. It's that, actually, there's 18 that, networks uh, across uh, the country that... Oh, I thought that, that was like Telemundo or no, something. No, no, no. It's not one of the... Yeah, no. No, it's not And the, she's also a board member of the Renal Support Network, which is, I've heard, a fabulous organization. I love Renal Support Network. <laughs> It's so good. And you know what? This nurse, Sandy Wilson, she lives in my neighborhood. She so does? I, I get free stuff you from her. You get to see her, yes. And she's the clinical coordinator of the Kidney Center of Thousand Oaks, too. Oh, Did you I, know that? I love Thousand Oaks. I know. It's, it's Hey, that's where Amgen is located in Thousand Oaks. No, Did you're you know wrong. that? Wrong again. What? It's in Newberry Park. Is it really? Yeah. On my little card, it says Thousand Oaks. I guess I'm wrong then. Okay, let's go. Usually let's, that's the case, Stephen. Let's go to commercial uh, real quick because I was wrong. Commercial real quick and we'll come back with Sandy Wilson. Oh, I just love pretzels. Let's, let me see here. One serving is six pretzels? What, are they kidding me? Who only ate six pretzels? I have to stay on my renal diet. I know. I can bite part of one pretzel, then bite the side of another pretzel, and then I hook them together, and I can count that as one pretzel. Mm. Boy, that was good. You know what I love now? A big gulp. Now if I fill it up halfway, and then drink it, and refill it to the top, now that won't count towards my daily fluid intake. Or will it? Make the connection. Eating high-sodium foods makes you thirsty, which will make you retain more fluids. 
Do you want to share a tip on how to stay within your fluid limit? Email us at kidneytalk at rsnhope.org and we'll let our listeners in on your different tips. Every limbo boy and girl all around the limbo world gonna do the limbo rock all around the limbo clock. Jack be limbo, Jack be quick. Jack go under limbo stick. Well, we're here with Sandy today, and we're going to talk about uh, understanding low blood pressure. So, welcome, you know, Sandy. I love that. We're here well, with Sandy you, today. Say, isn't that funny? She says, we're here with Sandy today. W- will we be here with Sandy tomorrow? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make sense. Only if we're it here plays with Sandy. over and over and over. I, know. I, know. I guess it's, it's like, not actually It's accurate. like Groundhog Day, the movie. It's <laughs> my favorite movie. <laughs> yes. It's Kidney Talk Day. I know. We just play okay, okay, okay. You made your point. Okay, okay. All right. okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't let her get away with this stuff. She's unruly. She's insane. They call her crazy Well, Lori. welcome, Sandy. Don't pay any attention to him. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. So tell us a little bit about blood pressure and, you know, how it, how it really works in the body. Well, what blood pressure is basically is when we're measuring it is the force of the heartbeat against the vessels. And it's individual in every patient and people that are not dialysis just, patients. Just, just in the general. Pop, it's, it's everybody has a blood pressure, right? Has one. <laughs> That's right. We've all got one, hopefully. Everybody has a blood <laughs> the pressure. The ones that don't aren't going to be listening to us tomorrow. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> um, but basically, it's the force and it's regulated by the heart in various mechanisms of the heart, whether it's the cardiac output or the vessels, which are really considered part of the circulatory system. Um, all one system, vessels can be tight, vessels can be loose, heart can pump effectively, heart can be flabby and not pump effectively. Right. So all those things play factors in how blood pressure is in any person. And what's a, a normal blood pressure? Well, that's kind of individual, and, I, and I'm going to kind of reflect on, on um, dialysis patients in particular. Yeah, because but I've, in heard, general, I've heard a lot of different yeah, numbers bantered yeah, about. Yeah, they kind of throw out there in the books, oh, 90 over 60 is you know, low blood pressure. You should have it above that, that kind of thing. But it's really very, very individual. And in particular, um, a, a patient 90 over 60 for one person might be okay. Another person who runs 180 over 90 all the time, they hit 90 over 60, they're in the bucket. Right. Really, it's it's very individual. Some patients can tolerate 80 over 40 or probably not 68 over 43. That's a little low, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um but without any symptoms, and right. they're fine, and they get up and they walk out, and that's their walking around blood pressure. Mine's 100 over 60 every day. If I hit 120, I'm really excited. So it's real variable Very. in different people. In dialysis, um, low blood pressure is really most relative to the pre-dialysis blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Anything, oh, a drop of more than 40 millimeters, which is the reading you get on the on the blood pressure machine. Mm-hmm. Goes, the, the, the top reading or the bottom reading? The top reading, top usually. Reading. So give us an example. Say so. you come in with a blood pressure that you always run 190 over... 100 all the time. Well, you come into dialysis at 190. Well, I've had patients who do this all the time, and you drop them down to 140, and they're having symptoms of low blood pressure. Right. 140 for me is high blood pressure. So it's really very individual and more relative to the actual drop during the treatment in terms of dialysis management. And you don't want to drop how? What's the limit of dropping? More than 40 millimeters is considered hypotensive, and you could have symptoms. Now, some people 
very easily tolerate that. It's, again, very individual how your vessels and your the, the muscles in your vessels react to keep your blood pressure under control during the dialysis. So what actually happens when you have an episode of hypotension or, you know, as a lot of us call it, crashing on dialysis? Oh. Yeah, and, and it is crashing, and we do call it that. And it used to be in the old days, that's how you found a patient's dry weight was you just cranked the fluid off them until they crashed because it's the only thing we knew. Um, symptoms of a low blood pressure generally can range to mild symptoms of nausea, blurred vision, sweating, headaches, as Stephen mentioned earlier when we were talking, um, can be very sleepy, um, just not being able to think straight, but it can actually progress to being very dangerous in terms of having chest pain because what happens when the pressure gets too low is your heart is not delivering enough oxygen to the major organs which is why you might get confused and blurred vision, and you may end up with chest pain because there's not enough oxygen getting to the heart, the... which is a muscle. When I had low blood pressure, one of the things that was so frustrating is that it just came on me suddenly. Yeah. It, it was like there was no warning. Yeah, well, and that does happen during dialysis um, because we are moving a lot of fluid. Um, if you consider, and I'm, you know, I may be jumping ahead of what you're mentioning, but when you consider the shifts of fluid and chemistry that's going on during dialysis, it can be a combination of either one of those, but primarily the most common reason for that to happen, that immediate crash, is that we pull fluid out of the body, but the body has to refill the fluid from the tissues. Right. And at a certain point, your vessels actually become what we call hypovolemic. In other words, there's not enough fluid in your veins, yet your ankles are still swollen. And I know this, hypovolemic is like volume. Volemic is volume. So they're hypo. hypo is low volume. Yes. So hypo is low, hyper Okay. So how do you have low volume when your ankles are still as big as elephants? Right. Okay. Well, the reason you have that is the fluid isn't moving from your ankles into your veins where we're taking it out of as fast as we're pulling it out. So in your vessels, you become hypotensive even if you have a lot of fluid, fluid. On. And then what happens is your blood pressure drops, and you probably experience this. I, I have all those <laughs> symptoms when I have every single one of those symptoms. I Hopefully not I, every it, single time. I do. Oh, that I needs do. to be fixed. And I start, it start, I can always, you know, I don't even need a blood pressure cup. I mean, I, I do. No, most patients can tell right I away mean, when their right pressure's away, dropping. Uh, as a matter of fact, this last time I was on dialysis, Sometimes the machine gives wacky numbers, mm-hmm. and I said, uh, you know, uh, take my blood pressure because I know I'm really sinking. Right. And he said, oh, you're 136 over 8. I and said, you went, oh, it's no, I'm gotta not. got to be wrong. <laughs> yeah. Got to be wrong. And it was 68 over 46. You know, patients are the best clue to blood pressure drop. And one of the most important things in a dialysis center is to make sure you teach the patients to sound off and right. say, I'm not feeling well. And not be a martyr, because that's a big problem sometimes, you know, especially these big buff men. They don't want to complain that they feel dizzy or they get, you know, they don't feel well. I'm I'm, I'm screaming like a woman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm screaming like a woman. How does a woman scream? Uh, no, I um, I have every symptom. It starts with the headache in the back of the neck, and I go, oh, gosh, I'm starting to go low. And then um, I start, my body starts profusely sweating. Sweating, uh-huh. I mean, my shirt is soaking wet. And then the worst part is the muscle cramps in the legs at And at, the at end. what point do you start screaming like a woman? I start screaming, actually, as I sit in the chair, because I know what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, this is so sad to me. <laughs> That's why they kicked me out of your unit, you know. Oh, really? Oh, they, yeah, they mentioned that. As soon as you started screaming, we just threw him out. Right. 
Well, honestly, a lot of times patients sit back and wait for the headache, and then they go, okay, now I'm sweating, and then they go, oh, now I'm really feeling bad, and now I'm cramping, and then they sound off and scream like a woman. That's a problem, because right. if you get it when you're starting to get the headache, it's much quicker to intervene on and fix. Right. And, and I think that's something patients only... need to understand, because otherwise they try and hold out right. thinking it's going to get better, and it's not. And the other thing that, that is, a, is a big you know, battle for me is they say, do you want me to give you some saline? And I go, no, 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 I, I don't want to gain weight. Yeah, I don't want to gain weight. I, I, okay. you know, I, I don't want to look fat, right? you know. So, you don't want to uh, gain, you want your jeans to fit. <laughs> right, exactly. I know what you mean. So, but, you know, they, I, I, I ask for a cup of coffee, I think maybe the caffeine. Now, is that a wives' tale? Does the caffeine raise your blood pressure? Well, it, it actually does, it has a vasoconstrictive action to it. What, what, but, are, are, but it's really not. Could you speak English on the show? What, what did you say? Oh, it makes your vessels contract. <laughs> ah, but it's better. not that effective for this kind of, of no. low blood pressure. Not, not, even, not even Starbucks More coffee? effective would be a salty solution, to tell you the truth. I know. They and we try me, and avoid uh, that because give, guess what? It makes your yeah, you go thirsty. Water, right. <laughs> so they, thirsty. Give, they give me yeah. chicken soup. Chicken soup they will give you, and that is for medicinal purposes only. It doesn't mean you get to go home and have chicken broth right. every right. day because they give it to you at dialysis, so it must be okay. That's not the case. They do give it like I said, for medicinal purposes to help bring the blood pressure up. Now, do you know how that happens when you get salt? How does what happen? How does salt in your body help bring your blood pressure up? Because it retains the fluid, right? Where does it retain? But I, when I eat too much salt, I get puffy. I don't get higher blood pressure all the time. I just get puffy. Oh. What salt does, when they give you salt, it absorbs very quickly. So when they give you the chicken broth, or sometimes you might have what they call sodium modeling done on the machine, where they give yes. you sodium on the machine... The reason they do that is it increases the um, well, the solutes in your blood. And the thing that causes fluid to move from your tissues into your bloodstream, which is really the only place we get it from, right, is your blood going through the di- dialyzer. Mm-hmm. We pull fluid out of there. So it has to move into there. When they put salt in your system, which absorbs very quickly from soup or on the machine when we set it, it increases the gradient, if you know what I mean. It's like the, the water in your tissues doesn't have as much stuff in it as your blood does now so water flows into it it's an osmosis kind of thing it's like when you put a teaspoon of sugar in a glass it kind of dissolves across right. the it goes whole... across the whole thing or you put a tea yeah. bag in a glass and the fluid comes out it, you want it to move into your bloodstream because then we can take it off if it doesn't move right. in we can't remove it and that's mm. a big dilemma for patients which is and it does relieve stuff you know immediate low blood pressure but then if you have too much sodium then, then it makes you thirsty and, that's and so the catch it's a, it is a vicious cycle there are a lot of tricks right now in dialysis that we can use to try and avoid those things now what are some of the tricks cuz i want to know oh my god we've got so many tricks um some of the treatments Does basically... Does it involve rabbits and uh, stuff no no we're not pulling any rabbits out of the hat when when a blood pressure drops the first thing that Old school technicians and nurses still do, and and it is the proper treatment for immediately, is you get your head thrown back in the chair and they give you saline. Right. Which the patients are screaming you know like a woman that? because they don't want saline. You know what they call that? Yes, Trend. I do. I do. <clears throat> Lay me back in the chair and give me saline. No. Oh. No. Well, the, there's a medical term, and I actually oh. know this, it's called Trendelenburg. That's put you that's in my, I had an uncle, position that, Uncle Louis Trendelenburg. I had was him. he always laying with his feet up always, above his chest? Always, and always wanted salt. Well, <laughs> that must be it. Hey, when we come back, we're going to find out some more of her magic tricks. Yes. When you think back about your high school years, one of the strongest memories people have is their prom. It's their one night to shine, one night to dance the night away, one night to ride in a stretch limo, One night to feel like a star. 
This January 14th, the Renal Support Network will hold its eighth annual premiere event, the Renal Teen Prom. This is the chance for teens to stop thinking about the needle sticks, the PD exchanges, and the constant meds they have to take. For one night, they celebrate their life with hundreds of other teen kidney patients, and the only prescription is, have the time of your life. So this January 14th, join us on the campus of prestigious Notre Dame High School in Sherman Oaks, California. The prom features live entertainment, a renal-friendly dinner, dancing, limo rides, glamour photos, and Hollywood celebrities. And get this, it's absolutely free. To receive an invitation or make a donation to an Evening Among the Stars renal teen prom, visit rsnhope.org or call 818-543-0896. That's 818-543-0896. You've got the power to brighten someone's life. This is your chance to shine like the stars. Hi, I'm Aaron Kinsley, and I'm a kidney patient just like you. I had no idea I was on the road to end-stage renal failure. As we know, there really is no clear sign when your kidneys start to fail. So I urge you to tell your relatives and friends, especially those who are 65 and older, to get a simple blood test to see if they are at risk for kidney failure. The glomerular filtration rate, or GFR, will tell them how well their kidneys are functioning. If their kidneys are failing, you and their doctor can share the many different ways they can live with kidney disease. As we know, it's not fun to find out you have kidney disease. It's even less fun to die from it. Okay, Sandy Wilson. Are you now? You related to the guy who did Garfield? No, no. I would like to be because then a, possibly I could be retiring. That's a, that's, a, that's a different Wilson, and you're not related to the ex-governor of California either, right? Uh, Pete? No, no, I'm not okay, related. I well, wanted to talk about some. She was talking to us about some tricks. Oh, I know. I got off. All right, some of the magic tricks. Some of the magic tricks. Some of the treatments. Well, again, like I mentioned earlier. Commonly, throw saline in the patient, throw them back upside down. What that does basically is makes all the blood rush back to your core organs, very simply. It's all gravity, mm-hmm. okay? Well, I don't particularly like the risk of sudden blood pressure drops in patients. I think it's way underrated. Um, like I said, in the old days, we would crash a patient, literally, and that's how we found their dry weight. Well, we try not to do that anymore. And we've learned that that's not the truth anymore. If you crash, <clears throat> you're not dry. That no, is a myth. That's exactly true. That's exactly true. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that. I've got some, I'd like to share some information on that. But we do try and get a little more proactive now and a little more creative in managing patients that have a history of, like yourself, you drop out all the time. To me, that takes somebody looking at the chart and going, what's going on with this guy? There's a reason he's dropping all the time. Right. And there are a lot of different reasons. Um, some of the things you can do to try and maintain your pressure during dialysis, elevating the legs during the treatment to increase the plasma right. refill rate. And does so anybody that- know what the plasma refill rate is? I do, but I'm not going to say. I'm going to let you explain it. Okay. Plasma refill rate is what we were talking about earlier, and it's literally what it sounds like is I've got plasma in my veins that I have to have enough water in so I can pull it off them, right? Right. The refill rate is the rate that your tissue gives fluid up to the blood vessels, so that and, and we would only want to remove fluid from the blood vessels at a slightly higher rate right. than you refill. So our objective is to optimize how much your tissues give up fluid so we can optimize how much we pull off. 
Does that make sense? Exactly. I know exactly what you're saying. You just, I visualize everything, exactly. so I could just have this little picture. Yeah. yeah. So I can I can raise my hand and say, "Excuse me, I'm a court low." Yes. Something like that. Exactly. Sort of. Yeah. You probably are. Yes. Often. <laughs> nice. Not a court low of alcohol. Oh. Um, that's a different show. No, no. The, and the whole cyst, the whole dialysis thing is a big oil change anyway. So. Right. Yeah. It's just basically if your body's keeping up with the rate of that the ultrafiltration rate is set on your dialysis machine. Right. Right. So now what happens, like Lori, a- if, if I'm dialyzing you, but your body doesn't want to give it up as much as I need to take off. You've gained four kilos, but you don't. your body doesn't give so up that like much. So it's like if you have a four kilo, this is just to give an example. You have a four kilo weight gain. You're on for three hours. So the UFR rate, if you're doing linear ultrafiltration, which is the same amount per hour, I have to do the math mm-hmm. on that real quick, you're would be about 13.33 per hour. Yeah, you're taking off over 13, a liter, almost a liter and a half per hour. Of fluid. Of fluid. And, and if you guys lot, look at those right? saline bags, one kilo, if you take a saline bag and throw it in your lap, that's one kilo. Right. Now throw four or five of those if you're a heavy weight gain, and you've got a lot of fluid you've got to move in just a few hours. But that'd be kind of cool. I'd like to throw some saline bags sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I've, done, I've thrown saline bags in patients' laps. It's one of my best tricks. And to say this is how much you've gained. Yeah, and they can't believe it. And then sometimes they shift it where they take more fluid off in the beginning. And that's really the trick right. is figuring out well, when you're giving exactly fluid out. Well, and that's exactly what it is. That, that's what you want to do is you want to optimize. Each patient is individual. They have on a lot of machines. One of the tricks we can use on the machine is the sodium modeling which gives you that increased, you know, stuff in your blood to pull fluid off. But that doesn't always work with patients. Sometimes what we have to do is what we call um, UF profiling, which means the machine kind of customizes the fluid removal. It'll take a a lot of fluid in the first 15 minutes, and then it'll kind of slow down. And what is it slowing down for? To let you refill. Right. And after you refill from the tissues, it hits you hard again. So the UF really looks like a roller coaster. Right. And the machine automatically will do that if you kind of know the trend in a patient's blood pressure. And that's what's important for the on the assessment end is to watch where does the patient's blood pressure drop. And that's how you actually customize what you're doing for the patient. Right. So you really learn. And then the pa- it's good for the patient to understand this so that they can oh, really definitely. really explain this of how is the best way to take fluid off me and really and understand it and have a discussion with their healthcare professional. Right. There are different times during the treatment your pressure can drop right. for a variety of different reasons. Some of the other simple tricks you can do, um, and I have several patients that when they come in, we put their feet up because they have a lot of right. lower extremity edema. Their feet are swollen like like balloons. We wrap them with ACE wraps and put their feet up. And it's amazing because by the time they leave, they have ankle bones. Oh, and wow. it actually literally compresses so that the fluid moves back from the lymph system. It's a gravity thing. So if you put a little pressure on it, it actually will help Move. support the blood pressure during the treatment. Sometimes during the treatment, we can turn the temperature on the machine down, which will cause when you get cold, you get kind of clamped down, your vessels constrict to preserve heat, right? Right. Well, if you're on dialysis and yeah. your vessels are floppy and you're nice and toasty and warm, you'll have more, your vessels dilate more. So, so what do you mean you turn the temperature down on yes. the machine? What is yes. that? It's called it's a freezing a it's patient, a trick, isn't it? That's yes, what they call it. They call patients, it freezing a patient. Patients do get a little chilly, which is the downside and probably why it's not utilized a lot. Because, But if you got somebody who's really hot all the time, it's good. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> start off turn, freezing, and then when my blood pressure drops, I'm sweating, you know. And I, well, I, that I, sweating I, is different than a heat sweating. Yeah, you're I not throw hot. the blanket off. You're not sweating because you're hot. You're sweating because you're... But I feel hot. Yeah. Yes. And I throw the blanket off and 
and, and everything. Just, well, the freezing, have have the, the freezing, don't they just turn the temperature, the temperature on the machine? On the down. machine, not in the room. Everybody's blood pressure is low. The, I, I didn't know the machine had a temperature <laughs> yes, gauge. Yes, it does have a temperature gauge, and there's a range you can do safely with a patient. You try and keep it the same temperature of the blood so that when it goes through the dialyzer, it comes back oh, to you at the same I temperature see. so you don't get chilled. I see. So but it sometimes cools or chilling warms a patient a little bit works. Yes. I've see. seen it work, actually. Yes. What are some of the things that, you know, the patient can do to really minimize low blood pressure? Well, yeah. Can we do anything to help that? You can, but let me first talk a little bit about what causes yes, hypotension yes, during the treatment important. because that would lead more into what you can actually do to help. It'll exactly. kind of give you a little segue to okay. that to that question. Um, as we've been talking about, most commonly, the reason that a patient's blood pressure drops out is because of fluid removal. The fluid right. is coming out faster than we're refilling. Right. And it used to be that you thought, okay, as soon as they crash, they're dry, but that's really not the case now that we understand the plasma refill rate that all of you now understand. Exactly. <laughs> um, so that's the most common thing. Um, some other things that are very common, especially in new patients before they've been really assessed and, and as they're becoming better dialyzed and more managed is blood pressure medications. Before dialysis starts with a patient, they tend to be on a lot of antihypertensive medicines, blood pressure mm-hmm. medicines to bring their blood pressure down. They're on diuretics, which I think you mentioned you you have on board. And those kind of things when you're before you start dialysis are really necessary. As you get into dialysis and we start taking all this excess fluid that you've been carrying around for months and months, Mm -hmm. we start getting that down to a normal reaching your dry weight that you really haven't known for a long time, but you didn't know it. Um, As that changes, your blood pressure medicines often need to be decreased. Um, some of the common ones are the diuretics that they take just before dialysis starts. A diuretic is basically diuretic like, a, is a, like water a, pill. a water pill. And that, by giving you a water pill, it makes your blood pressure come down, and it's very common. it makes you get rid of fluid. Right. If your kidneys work. Right. Well, but, now yeah, but, but when you say get rid of fluid, it doesn't. the diuretic is to make you urinate. So yes. if, if I take a diuretic before dialysis, but I'm not urinating because I'm in the chair, does it, well, how does no, it work? No, because it's still moving. When you get up, you got to go to the bathroom, right? Yeah, but yeah. I'm... Yeah, so it's I'm... moving it into your bladder so it's not in the bloodstream where I can oh, get it. Oh, I see. Okay, it's moving oh, it through goodness. the renal system. And, and diuretics only work if you have some residual function. At a certain right. point with patients, the Lasix, which is the most common diuretic for dialysis mm-hmm. patients... Um, at a certain point when the renal function progressively, because sometimes, you know, the renal function progressively goes a little worse, you're already on dialysis, so you're being managed, but that is the fact. At a certain point, the diuretics may not work anymore. And then they try and get rid of them because if they're not giving you urine output, then they can cause hearing loss and toxic levels and all this stupid stuff that you don't need. Mm-hmm. So, we, you know, diuretics are a common one, though, that when you're on dialysis, you may find you do better if you don't take that on dialysis days because now you've got a double whammy. You're taking right. Lasix like you take every day and you're you know going to the bathroom like you're supposed to every day and it's fortunate that you have a good urine output because a lot of dialysis patients right. have none. Um, but the fact is when you come to dialysis and we take off two or three liters, well, that's way more than you're going to urinate in a day and now you've taken this pill to make you fill your bladder up with the fluid that we need to take off. So it really um, it's a, it's, it makes your blood pressure drop out more than what we would want. Well, okay. that's really good to know because that's something I really did not know, and yeah. I usually know everything. He does. He does. No, no, He's I a, know everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, I really did not know that. You're an arm wrestle. I, <laughs> I, I was taking a, a, a yeah. Lasix right before dialysis because oh, yeah. I figured, oh, I'll wait less and, when I get there. Well, and the thing with, with the blood pressure medicines is because patients gain fluid weight, their blood pressure tends to go higher and higher, maybe not you, but... 
a lot of patients, because they're gaining fluid weight, their blood pressure the day before dialysis is higher and, and dialysis morning is higher, so they think they really need it that day. But sometimes we don't want to have them take all of them. This is something that's very individual, and I wouldn't suggest everybody just stop taking they their They need to talk to pressure. their doctor, oh, just absolutely. to cl- clarify. These because are just some, some basic some tips. That's why we have a thousand disclaimers on this show. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> you know. But I, I would definitely say that there are some patients that still take their medicines, some that take only some of them, and others that don't take any just before their treatment. I actually take other patients' medicines before I <laughs> That's Well, that probably which saves not, them. That's why you have the low blood pressure, right, and they don't. Which is not a good thing to do. <laughs> I know. But it saves a lot of money pharmaceutically. <laughs> Another thing that people don't recognize as a very common reason, in, and some facilities actually forbid it because of this, is eating during dialysis. If you eat during your treatment, you might take note and see, does your blood pressure drop after you eat? Right. Because what happens is the blood has to do something with all that food, so it rushes to the gut to digest, and right. you don't have it in your in your vessels. Oh, so eating lowers your blood pressure? Some yes. patients, now, it does. Now, see, I thought... If I ate something during dialysis, that it would raise my blood pressure. Mm, only no. if it's you're already low and it's salty, and that's medicinal purposes. Right. And if uh, you're going to uh, eat, I mean, it's always better to eat in the beginning of the treatment because yes, you have more because fluid you have to give. have more blood pressure, so you, you have, have more fluid more. to give up. And yes, then towards definitely. the end of the treatment, it's disastrous. And yes. I am very familiar with non-invasive blood volume monitoring, mm-hmm. and you can see it happening. I was a, a skeptic when people told me that you shouldn't eat during dialysis, but I watched blood volume plummet when some. Was I don't think we explained to everybody what that is. We have a device, and there are a couple different methods of uh, different devices out there, but it basically gives me a real visual of how the fluid is moving. So I can see plasma refill rate, and right. I know I want to remove, say, 8% of your fluid in three hours. So I can watch this like ramp, and I can actually see that as I pull fluid off, your body gives it up. As I pull it off, your body gives it up. And you can see a visual right. plane of that. If I start taking fluid off too fast and you're not refilling enough, before your blood pressure even drops, I can see that ramp suddenly get steeper. And I go, "Uh uh-oh, that's going too steep. He's going to crash. So I back off on the fluid removal until you refill a little. And what's neat is I know patients can actually watch this. I have a couple patients who actually regulate it. They will say, I need to turn my UF off for 10 minutes and, and watch themselves refill, and then they can turn it back, back on. on. So I do have a couple patients who actually have it down on their bedside table and work with this tool. So, yeah, no, it's fascinating. I mean, that I is, didn't really realize it. Yes. Boy, I like that. Yeah, it really does. It's a very effective tool. It also gives us an indication, um, the one that I have in particular, also gives us oxygen saturation levels. Because another reason right. blood pressures drop that I think gets way overlooked, there are a couple other reasons here. Um, is that when you dialyze, oxygen dialyzes across the membrane. So if you are somebody who already has a compromised, you know, like you have lung disease or you have to use oxygen at home, even patients who don't use oxygen at home, if the blood pressure drops out, I will often put oxygen on them and it helps to stabilize the blood pressure. Some other things that come up that people, and, and this is kind of an old problem in dialysis, is it used to be a patient comes in with a low blood pressure, and they've got a lot of fluid on. You know you got to fluid off, off of them, but their blood pressure is too low. So the first thing the technician or the nurse does is say, well, put them on dialysis, give them sodium so their blood pressure will come up, and then we can take fluid off. So I put the patient on. And this is, this is a, you know, something that's kind of a not really well-known in a lot of old-school dialysis personnel. What's happening to that patient, if they're in a, in a very acute stage of what we call congestive heart failure, where they've just got a lot of fluid on and it's affecting their heart, what all that fluid is doing, say you come in and you've got six, seven kilos on, 
and your blood pressure's in your socks and you just feel terrible, but I know you've got fluid on because I know what you weighed when right. you went home last time. Right. I know this is all water. Can't breathe, you feel terrible, but your blood pressure's 60 over 40. Well, how do I dialyze that patient? A lot of times people will say, put sodium on them. So you put sodium on them and their blood pressure goes lower. What's wow. happening with that patient is their heart is so full of fluid that it's just bogged down. It can't, it's like watered down. It can't so what do you move. Do? Instead of putting sodium, what would happen when I put sodium on? They get more fluid. It pulls fluid right. into the vascular space. You the don't heart need is it. part of the vascular space. So when I put sodium and I pull more fluid in, they go worse. Right. You and all of a sudden, you don't ultrafill, don't it. take any fluid off because their blood pressure is too so low. So what do you put in them? Instead, here's the trick in that case is, and it's really based on assessment of the patient, but what I would do in that case is I would put that patient on and put a high UF, even a dry UF on them. Take off fluid, no sodium. Once I get fluid off, the heart will actually start pumping more effectively and the pressure will start climbing. Right. Once it gets reasonable, I can add the sodium and continue pulling. But if I add sodium while that heart is so bogged down, that patient's just going to crash. So right. when the nurse comes by, when you when I first get on dialysis, the nurse comes by and listens to my chest and Good. back. Well, what is that? Why, what are they She's listening, listening for? She's listening to your lung sounds to see if you have fluid. Uh-huh. Usually they're listening for fluid in the lungs and how much fluid might be in there. Oftentimes they'll check at the end of the treatment to see if it's improved because you can actually hear that mm-hmm. rails oh. in the lung. It's like a rattling sound in the lungs oh. when there's fluid. And all this time I thought they were listening to people's court. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in you. Yeah. That's what I but thought But then at the end they'll listen and make sure that it's cleared. Yes. Um, and they'll also listen to your heart rate to make sure you don't have irregularities and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I see. So anyway, there's a lot of reasons that blood pressures drop. Another one that can be overlooked and is sometimes can be very problematic and dangerous is potassium shifts. Mm-hmm. When a patient starts on dialysis or even somebody who's in on dialysis for a long time, if there's any reason that their potassium would suddenly be very low when they come to dialysis, for example, say you are a really non-compliant patient, and you just all of a sudden decide, I'm going to watch my diet. Well, They've been dialyzing you considering that you always have a high potassium. Well, you come in today and you really don't have a high potassium for whatever reason. You actually were really good. Didn't eat anything. You were sick or whatever. Yeah, or you had diarrhea, nausea, vomiting. You've been sick. You're not eating. Well, we do monthly labs and we sort of base the treatment on monthly labs. So if there's an odd day that your potassium might be low and I take it too low during the treatment, that causes symptoms that are very similar to crashing usually later in the run because the chemistries are coming down, Mm -hmm. very often causes nausea, vomiting, causes um, just kind of an overall feeling of that don't feel well, and guess what? It causes severe cramping, much as does oxygen. When you don't have enough right. oxygen, that can Low cause cramping. Low blood pressure causes cramping. There's so Low many things. Low blood pressure causes oh, cramping. Oxygen depletion. Have you tried oxygen in the end of the treatment? Oxygen? Have them put but, oxygen on you the last half hour of the treatment, and I have relieved so many patients of that with, because they would cramp, and I know oh, they're not so dry. so what I'm but, doing is wrong. I, I, I was trying vodka. <laughs> oh, it's oxygen. So, what are, now in closing, what are some of the tips that you yes. can do to reduce, uh, you know, low blood pressure? Very good question. And well, we've we've discussed a lot of the reasons that blood pressure drops, and some of the things are really not in the mm-hmm. patient's control. But there are a lot of things that patients can do. Watch your fluid gains. That's one of the hardest oh, things for God. me. And the I renal diet's not that hard for me. Yeah. It's the it's the fluid because I mean it's it, it's nothing, especially in the summertime in Southern California, to pull into a Seven Eleven and get a big gulp or a double big gulp. Well, you know what's funny? Personally, 
I don't drink a liter of fluid a day, which is bad. I should. Yeah. I don't. But if I had to go on dialysis, by golly, I'd want it. I just because right, I can't it. have it. <laughs> also, we, you know, being well, a professional can't. dieter my entire life, yeah, that's that, true. that that's always true. suppressed my appetite. Well, drink a diet soda. You yeah, know, yeah. and you know, fill up on coffee. Yeah, fill patients up, just need to find other tricks. I suggest to patients to take this water bottle that's sitting in front of you, and freeze it half, fill it halfway up, and freeze it. So you have to actually only drink what defrosts. You can't drink it down in one sitting. You freeze the bottle, and as it melts, you know, then you can you drink can it drink slowly. It. Lemon drops, gum, whatever they can do to keep the food ice, gains down. Ice That's chips. one of the biggest things. I started doing ice that. Ice chips are water. I started I'm going to argue that. with ice chips because what patients think is ice chips are cool. I can eat all the ice chips I want. Ice oh, right. chips melt. Like I don't if I'm having it in soup. I don't count that as fluid. Oh, as that's so of... liquid. I know. That is so liquid. You're I know. a cheater. You're I know. a cheater. I'm a cheater. I'm a Cheaters cheater. never prosper. I know. <laughs> and they crash. And they crash. And they crash. So that would be the main tip I would give patients if you really want to prevent this is to really try and control your fluids. Otherwise, um, talk to their doctor pay, about the medications. The medications That's is a really huge important. one. It's not unreasonable to suggest to the doc, hey, I'm, is there anything I can hold before my treatment? They usually think of that already, right. but sometimes they don't. If right. they don't really recognize that you're doing this during the treatment, because remember, the doc comes around during the treatment for a couple minutes, and he may not know the trend that you're right. having. And he may say, yeah, let's give you a little bit. It really is better to keep a blood pressure a little bit higher on a dialysis patient than really low. Low, low is dangerous. It, low is very dangerous. Laser is very dangerous. Very dangerous. Another thing, pay attention. Are you one of those people who can't really eat on dialysis? Right. Is that when your pressure's crashing? Is it like I'm, I'm having my sandwich because I feel kind of like it's lunchtime and I'm going to eat, and a half hour later you're dumping? Well, you might need to adjust your schedule on those days and eat something just before you go on your treatment. Give yourself a half hour or so before you go on so everything stabilizes. Very important, and those are no, things patients so much can really do. Right. I know well, it is. We got it. We could. We could actually, I think, have a couple of shows on I this know. topic. I love this topic. I've lectured well, we'll on have, it. I've written on it. I love it. <laughs> well, we're going to have on our website. We're actually going to have some information too, and maybe you can provide some information oh, for us to, to post with the show because it's so extensive and so much information. It really is. The main thing I can tell patients is you really have to communicate what you're feeling and what's going on in your body so that people know. You know, otherwise they can't assess you properly. Right. right. And because, you know, I tell them, I, they, they come around for their two minutes and I say, they say, how's it going? I go, everything's fine, except that I'm, I'm still crashing. And they go, well, there's really nothing I can do about that. I think that, I, I'm, I would argue that. I think that it just needs to be really evaluated more. And it takes a while to do that with a patient who's, you know, has right. an unstable pressure. It's not something you can do in one sitting or two sittings or even maybe a couple weeks. You really have to find out what's going on with them. Look at lab work. Look at all these different things. And I'm going to put an end to having the steak dinner during dialysis. Yes, then. I think you should stop ordering pizza. <laughs> I think you should bring the Chargener steak dinner instead. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she be much more attentive they, to you. Let me tell you something. In the unit I go to, they eat constantly oh, those texts. It's, it's a horror. Place I mean, I see, them, <laughs> I see them run to the back room and they they have their mouth full. I know. They come over to me to check my vitals, you know, and they smell like peanut butter and they smell like Doritos and, and it, it drives me crazy. It's those reps. It's, They're bringing us food. I'm telling you. I, 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 I hate it when they pop popcorn. Oh, you can and smell you it throughout the entire it building. The, the salty, starving. buttery kind. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know what? We got to go because I'm hungry. Now. Okay. Honey, did you restrict your fluids today? Yes, dear. Did you turn your back on potatoes, bananas, and avocados? I took a quick peek and then looked the other way. Did you eat all your protein? Lovely weather we're having, isn't it? 
Honey, you know you need your protein because of the dialysis. Having a hard time with the protein? Do you loathe liver? Are you baffled at the massive amounts of beef? Are you terrified of tofu? Then try drinking your protein, and I'm not talking about liver beef tofu smoothies. Protein powder that you can buy at your local store is perfect and delicious way to get that protein when you need it. Just make sure you read the label. Low sodium, low potassium, and low sugar. You know the drill, so next time someone asks... Did you eat all your protein today? You can say... Not only did I eat it, but I loved it. I had a breakfast shake, and then I put some in my coffee, and then I made some muffins with it, and then I... There are protein powders out there that have as much as 24 grams of protein in just one serving. No sugar and low in sodium and potassium. So drink up and be healthy. I was on like three blood pressure medications before dialysis. Right. But you know, we had a, a guest in here earlier who had a picture of me, and it happened to be a picture of me before, right before I went on dialysis. Right. And I am shocked at that picture. I mean, I just looked so horrible. I was in such denial, and I had said, You had high a lot of fluid pressure. on you. You had a I, lot oh of my fluid gosh, on you. I, 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 I look like John yeah. Candy. <laughs> And you know where he is now, so that's not a good sign. No, you you look tremendous. And I had, and I well, thank you very yes, much. You look fabulous. <laughs> and you know, I was on three blood pressure medications, and now I can't take any. I, I well, and, and I'm fighting. Do you have the some strategies pressure. now that you can go back to the unit and say, "Come on, I want to stop this low blood pressure." Well, I'm going to be more wait. challenging to them. Although I am, you know, like everybody knows, I'm moving now to home hemo, which I hope will take care of the problem. But right. well, I've learned a lot of tips and everything. So the down with low blood pressure or up with low blood but pressure, exactly whatever it something is. like that. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Astellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information.